I've been asked many times, what are your swing thoughts as you're swinging? Well, I try to flat load my feet so I can snap load my power pack. As long as my number two power accumulator doesn't break down, I can reach maximum lag and drag pressure through impact fix. You see, the pivot is the utilization of multiple centers. Golf is geometrically oriented linear force. And if you think of all this, hopefully you'll hit shots like this. Hello and welcome to episode one of Full Swing Thoughts, a podcast on the new Netflix golf docuseries, also titled Full Swing. That's a cheeky little title spinoff name we've come up for this podcast feed. Episode one here, we're joined by Andy Johnson of the Fried Egg and the Shotgun Start. I am Brendan Porath of the Fried Egg and the Shotgun Start. And we're joined by a third man in the booth, uh, Joseph LaMagna, a friend of the program, often contributor to the Fried Egg podcast and the Fried Egg website. Joseph, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, we've been pumped. We're going to jump into it here. Um, Episode one of the show, Full Swain, is titled Frenemies. It begins with an intro to the tour. It's our intro to the show. The show begins with an intro to the tour. It's kind of like a trailer. They may have even released a large portion of this as a a kind of a faux trailer uh, in advance of the debut of the show on February 15th. And it's our first experience with the the style, the appearance, the sound of this show. It focuses, episode one, largely on the relationship between Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. The scenes are largely Harbortown, where Jordan Spieth won last year, and the PGA Championship, where Justin Thomas won. And that main story is sort of that relationship. But first off, guys, what did you think of just the look and feel as it got started, that kind of introduction to the show, the sound, and the, the production of it? Yeah, I really like it. One of the things I like that is clearly shown in in episode one is that each episode, and if you're if you've followed the F one show or tennis, like each episode is going to have a very clear storyline, and and I think like I like how defined it is. I like the somewhat inside access that you're getting uh, with this. So I I really enjoyed the the way that it's set up, and I think. What it does is it makes it very approachable for a wide audience. You know, this is something that I think uh, as somebody who follows the sport about as close as you can follow it, um, I gleaned new insights, new information from it. But I don't think it's unapproachable for somebody that has never watched professional golf before. Joseph, what did you make of, of just sort of the presentation right off the bat? Yeah, I think it's great. The production value is really high and I'm excited about that. I think this is as close to like a Real Housewives type feel of a show as, as golf fans are going to get. So I'm kind of excited for that piece of it and seeing the players who know when the camera's on them, how do they respond? Like to what extent do they play certain things up where it's inauthentic versus some of the guys who really shine through as being a little bit more down to earth. Like I'm excited for all of those components since that's something that's new to golf. Should we, should we go to our first segment, uh, Real versus Fake? Yeah, we. All right, you want to just dovetail it into that? Okay. <laughs> Wait, talk about inauthentic and authentic. When the cameras are on, when the cameras are off. Most staged from episode one. So this is again the Speed Thomas thing. Uh, what do you have for this? I, I think we probably have maybe similar answers for this one. Andy, do you want to go ahead? I got. I got. There's two contenders. So if I have to pick one of, I guess I'll say this is this is fake. The phone call about the best man speech. Yo, it's so bad. <laughs> yep, we all have it. Awful. I think I think JT does a horrible sell of it, and immediately you're just like your alarm bells start going off because he's driving his car. He's like, 
oh, look, there's George, <laughs> just, uh, there's Jordan calling me now. And he just says it with such kind of an inauthentic way. And then nothing happens. And Speed's <laughs> clearly at his fo- ad shoot. And they tell him to go sit on the hood of the car and he's FaceTime him. A- and he's got the AT&T out. <laughs> and nothing happens. And nothing happens. Joseph, that is that your most staged? Like, it was clearly the most staged part of this. Yeah, and it, it's like a bigger note I had was we know when the players know the camera is on and we don't yeah. need a lot of those moments. Like a lot of golf stands on its own, which we'll probably get to with some things that happen later in the episode. But when we know the camera's on and the players know the camera's on, that's not compelling. So I thought that phone conversation was an immediate turnoff and I'm looking forward to the show redeeming itself for the rest of the series. What was amusing was nothing came of that. <laughs> nothing was actually said in the phone call either. Like it was a, it was kind of a red flag staging uh, ep- like uh, scene. But then, like, they don't discuss anything. He's like, just stick to your instincts. Okay, I will. So I won't change anything. And that's it. Like, nothing amusing was or interesting was said in the course of that very short phone call. Any other contenders? Andy, yeah. you mentioned, like, there's another one. Um, I, I want I, the pick a card. The cart boy? No, pick a card. Oh, okay. All right. And okay. Uh, <clears throat> pick a card in the plane for $1,000. What about it? I don't know. Do you think it was real or staged? That was one that jumped they- off. I don't. I can't foresee. Why would they play that game? Why would that be the game that they play at when they're on a on a plane? It's a really lame way to gamble, and I think that probably yeah. those guys do gamble together, and maybe on the plane, and they were like, "All right, what's something we can think of that it's an example of us putting a lot of money on something?" And they just did pull a card. But there's no way those guys play that game. It's what you get one in fifty two odds. What is that? Two odds. That you get it right and you're betting a thousand dollars to pop. Who's taking that bet? Can I just say, contra to that, like that feels like a thing we should do on a private jet that shows we gamble a lot in like kind of capricious ways. And I thought contra to that, the most relatable thing and non PJ thing they were doing was having bells. They were having bells craft beer. Bells. Uh, I think Jordan Speed that is two hearted, and JT was having the summer the Oberon. The Oberon. I was just like. This is just not what like people are having champagne or cocktails or like hard liquor on a plane. And I just thought it was like the most I'm not saying it's like Bud Light. I thought that was an amusing like these guys are pretty normal guys having beer on their private jet is not it just didn't it seemed incongruous with the setting as opposed to the card game for a thousand bucks. I like the beer thing like that. Yeah, that, I agree. That was like something that I would I would if I was on a plane, I'd be like, oh, I have a beer. If It wouldn't matter what time of day it was having a beer. <laughs> um, I also liked the I did. Uh, I thought like the them going and playing that practice round was a nice setup uh, uh, to the the PGA storyline. We could talk about stuff that uh, main, other things, yeah. the main things of uh, takeaways of the episode. But I, I just saw the segue for the uh, real versus fake uh, right there. I got gotcha. you. you, you Can I just ha- hug it out there? So I'm throwing one more nominee in that. And that's it's JT with the cart boy at medalist saying, <laughs> I got to do some things for myself. I got to put the bag on myself. You don't need to do this. Just I don't know. I, don't, I think Justin may utilize the, the help around the course more often than, you know, Quite a bit. I, I don't know. That's all I'll say. We heard different different things, but that was an amusing, like this weird is, staging. Something I've always wondered if I was if I was at home for a while, I don't understand the keeping the bag and the staff bag. The cart, like, uh, yeah, the yeah. Why bag. are why are we using the cart bag? Like I'd be like, couldn't I? Wouldn't be able to wait to get my clubs out of my staff bag. Like you know, it would be a I'm on the road only time. I'd have like. 
the other bag, like a, a carry a normal person bag, like ready to go. Because like if I'm going Spieth to had my, that yeah. at Southern Hills, you had like an AT&T, like it had all the branding on it, but it was a stand bag. Yeah, it have it have golf balls in it and it have tees in it and have like the things that I need. And it would just be a simple take the clubs out of one bag, put them into the other bag. Like immediately when I went to the golf course, because the other thing is like, I want something more discreet. I don't want like all the members at, at medalists to be like, Oh look, it's JT. Like, I don't want him to know like, but that might be the difference between me and JT and why he, he's, you know, one of the main reasons he's on the PGA tour. And I'm talking about full swing here with you yep. too. Yep. Um, all right. So those are some of the minutia. We just jumped right into the minutia. We should do overall high level takeaways from this, from this episode. Again, my whole thing, like, Right away, my big takeaway, and this is before we get to the substance, I had heard, not to color anyone's opinion, I heard episode one wasn't great. Um, I was impressed just with, like you guys said, the different look, the different feel. Um, even Don't even get into the substance. Don't even get the substance of what happens. It just feels like a totally different product about a sport that I love, about characters that I know, presented in a totally different, unique way. And I think just that uniqueness in itself made it good for me for the start, for as a start. Now, uh, you may disagree. Let's go into what you thought of the episode generally. What was your one main takeaway? Joseph, take it away. Yeah, my, my big takeaway. So obviously, just the, the high level of what happens in the episode, right? First, we're at RBC Heritage, and then we quickly get to the PGA Championship and a recap of what happens at the PGA Championship. One thing that was striking to me was that the moment one of the biggest moments I remember from the 2022 season was really not captured. And it happened at the PGA championship and it was Tiger Woods battling an injury to make the cut and then having to withdraw after his Saturday round. And that's not to be critical of Netflix for omitting that storyline. But I think what I realized, and this is my bigger takeaway is that the Netflix show is about these new characters on tour. Episode one was about Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. And I think the, the, what I was realizing is it seems like this might mark sort of a formal transition off of the Tiger Woods era. Like we've been on his back for so long and carrying storylines that maybe the Netflix show is an effort to start to star build around some of the other guys and kind of get away from Tiger Woods carrying the entire product. There's, is that something that anybody else picked up on or had a similar thought? There's... There's no doubt about that. I also, though, was lamenting that Tiger and Phil make a quick appearance and they're not really a part of what I think is going to be a historical document of this moment in time. And Phil's like just it's third person about how he's missing a title defense and Tiger's like they can shoot him because they have rights to the PGA and it's him on the first tee and making his return. And it just feels like I, I, I like your point there about how it could be the turning of the page, but I kind of lament them, their voices or them not being a larger part of this show as like it's going to be a historical document, I would think. Maybe I, it's gone. Maybe it's forgotten in a couple of years. I don't know. I, I think this is an editorial decision. And I side more with Joseph. I was talking with somebody just this last week about this. It's amazing to have Tiger Woods at major championships. I, I love when he plays major championship golf. But what he does is he sucks the oxygen out of everything else going on at said major championship. And you have to look no further than the Masters with Scotty Scheffler. What happened on the ground there? You had the hottest player ever, uh, like in the world, coming in 
and he got no air. So with this, I think this was a huge decision. Like, is Tiger going to be the big story of almost every episode of the show, or is he not? And I think they leaned on him, him being a part of it, but a very side part of it, which I think was smart in order to establish and grow these characters that are not Tiger Woods that are part of a week in week out PGA tour golf. Well, part of that is not necessarily by choice though, too, because he did not agree to the, to the series. Had he agreed to the series, I think they would make him a big part of it. Right. I mean, I, 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 yeah, they made it an editorial. Yeah. I think it's a smart choice to not lean too much on having to tell the story of Tiger Woods. Like the F1 series season one does goes without Mercedes and Ferrari because they didn't agree to it. And it's still, dynamite right it's fantastic and that's sort of what i think they're doing here and i i don't i don't think it's going to take away at all from the excitement of this but um had tiger agreed to it i i would think he would be prominently featured maybe but honestly i think the editorial decision is additive in getting away from tiger woods a little bit i kind of disagree with you brendan that it would be that you're lamenting that he's not a part of this historical document because i think a lot of casual fans tune into golf tournaments specifically if Tiger Woods is playing. And we have to move past that at some point. If this is the introduction into golf for a lot of people, I think it kind of makes sense that we get away from relying on Tiger Woods. And this this might be that chance. But I just think the the story of golf last year, not ha- like having only third, secondhand Phil footage from Kiowa and Spieth answering a question about him is like hard to tell the story of golf. And maybe that's not the point of the show. You know, it may not be the over like the primary point of the show. But that's as a maybe it's not a historical document. I'm phrasing contextualizing this completely wrong. But that that was my only um, concern. My takeaway was that this was a really poor selection as a first episode. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know, I think there were some misses in the episode, but overall, I thought it just it seemed like it was more to get Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas two of the biggest stars in the game on, on episode one, more so than what's the right coherent story to put as number one and what would set up in terms of the time. Like, you know, they're, they're introducing the show to people that don't understand that aren't necessarily avid PGA tour fans that aren't avid golf fans. And you start, the year, the start, the the series with a tournament that happens after the Masters, and then the second weird. major of the year versus, I think the cameras started to roll at waste management, and not to get ahead of ourselves, but the next episode is about is about two two high profile players, and they they profile waste management and the Masters, and it's like. This just doesn't make sense. It's very disorienting time-wise. It's like, oh, we're going to start this and we're throwing you right into the middle of the season. And really, if you look at a PGA Tour s- season, almost the back half of the season with the first yeah. episode, and it didn't make a lot of like congruent set. It didn't, I didn't feel like it set the show up the right way. Well, and I think it just so, the pure selection of this as the first episode did the episode tremendous harm it would be a better episode later in the season in the season mm-hmm. as a standalone episode i think the other th- aspect of the episode that was a big miss for me was the failure to 
really contextualize that Jordan, they they kind of like lightly touched this, but refused to say it. That Jordan Spieth came out gangbusters and was like this great player, but in the in the last four years, Justin Thomas has been mm-hmm. a discernibly better golfer and they refused to say this and it was really frustrating because like that's a very important aspect of this story that needs to be told it was wild as like people who are in this week to week right to see this framed in the way that it was framed right now in 2023 um i just on your first point on the ordering uh, you'll recall from that sam shuby gq profile that I think the episode two, Kepka Scheffler, which was like more chronologically made sense, was the first episode. And then some Netflix suits came in and said it's too sad to start the series. So it sounds like that was a late change, maybe out of the hands of the people that were directly involved in this show. I don't know. But that was a nugget from that GQ. I don't know if you guys remember that, where where they kind of flipped it on them late. And maybe, like you said, it didn't work necessarily for us. I, well, that makes complete sense. I, yeah. you know, and this we'll get into this in the next episode. But I watched the second episode, and I was like, "This is the first episode, and right. well, this yeah, is right. not the first episode. Like, this just wasn't. This it wasn't a like first episode. That was a late change. It sounds like that was a late change from like higher ups at Netflix because I don't know, it was too dour and sad. Brooks, go ahead. I do. I do think where that could do harm is where there's this balance between. Has somebody never watched golf before and also catering to somebody who's really into golf to provide entertainment. And there's parts where they explain like what a birdie is and what yeah. a par is. But One at the round same time, is 18 holes. <laughs> but they don't, which I think is great, but they don't yeah, explain where we are in the season. And I think a, a casual fan might have thought the RBC Heritage is the first event of the season. And then the <laughs> PGA Championship was the next week. They never explain that they just shot us into the middle of the year. So I agree with you, Andy. I think it was disconcerting. And I, I do think it did a disservice to the show as a whole, but I'm, I'm so optimistic on the rest of the series yeah. that starting with a low bar might not be a bad thing. Right, right. I, I, I get my whole question was like, why the it has to be so hard. There are so many ways to go and so many weeks and players mm-hmm. like they choose. They start with the PGA for better or for more or less. Right. It's the PGA is this episode. But it's like it's all JT related. There's nothing like with Mito or Zalatoris or anything like so. It's just that's those are the choices they have to make. Like there's not a PGA episode. It's a JT Speed episode, and then they work in what they can from the PGA. Those are the choices they have to make. Getting back to Andy's second point about just how they orient us in the nature, the state of the JT Speed relationship. One of my main takeaways was. It seems like it comes across as Spieth being the far less, quote unquote, tortured of the two, right? Well, they they go and talk to him. He goes, oh, like swing got a little off this week, which happens. And I just didn't make anything. And there you have like JT just like with his dad, like like grinding through it, right? He has that quote, how quickly you can fall off and just not be who you are, who you were anymore. That was a dynamite quote. Like, Like his person and his self was defined by all of a sudden not having the same swing as he had the day before. They make JT to be like, quite honestly, the guy we've come to know and love with Spieth with the self-talk and the swing that that's a, that trigger, can't pull, like all these swing thoughts. It was interesting how they portrayed it as, you know, Spieth is this far more accomplished player. And I guess if you're running the major tally, that's still the case. 
But uh, it was a throwback for me to like, this isn't really the nature of this relationship in 2023 or 2022. It was maybe in 2017. Do you agree with that? Well, one one counterpoint to that. It's interesting you guys both called that out. One quote I have written down was from Sean Foley. Did anyone yes. else? Yes. He just like, was afraid. He, he seemed yeah. like he was just afraid to say what re- he really wanted to say. But he did still say it. And I thought it was interesting that he said, you could say that Justin has closed the gap on Jordan. I have. But Jordan still has the potential to be great. And I think that was a, a pretty interesting line yeah. that he said, Jordan still has the potential to be great, which means He's Jordan's not. not great right now. And he did say it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, it makes it sound like he's in the wash, right? He's, he's not where, yeah. I mean, it's an admission that one day he could come back again. Right. And that was like the only real indication we got that Spieth wasn't like the complete top dog in this two man friendship. All right, let's talk about our good friends at B Dratty. They have come in to support this endeavor this experiment, you know, the world, I don't know if the world needs any more golf podcasts. It certainly probably doesn't need more TV review and recap show podcasts, but this is a big cultural moment, as we said, I think for pop culture or golf pop culture. So we wanted to get this going and, and B Dratty's helped support our time and our efforts to do so. It seems like interest has been enough. So hopefully you can take interest in their products at bdratty.com. Using the promo code TFE25. You know, they're some of our oldest 25, friends. 25% off. It's a good That's what chunk the 25 of stands for. <laughs> yeah. You were wondering. 250 off, $2.50. I don't You'll get a substantial. You know what amount. I want to talk about is one of their new products that newish, we did for right? newish. Yeah. We did it. We used it for an event tea gift last year, the Willie hoodie. This is your classic t shirt hoodie. It is awesome. It is. Uh, you know everything that you love about Bdratty t-shirts in a hoodie. So highly recommend it. It's called the Willy hoodie. It is uh, a mixture of Pima cotton and spandex. Uh, it just is ex- extraordinarily soft Pima cotton. So uh, I would recommend that. You know the the one thing I would also recommend: don't dry it. I think these uh, these tend to shrink up, so don't dry it if you oh, get it. It's you're awesome. Using product usage recommendations too, not just product recommendations. Yeah, like this is that. just personal personal recommendation. So it's it's a sweet. It comes in a wide variety of colors, and uh, you know we're getting to that time. I feel like t shirt hoodies are are just so versatile. You know, you can kind yeah. of dress them up, dress them down. They they fit a wide range of temperature. Um, can't can't recommend the Willie hoodie enough. This is a very small thing, uh, and I'm not saying it makes the product. Or this is why you should get it. It's, it's stupid to say so, but I love the different colored triangle below the neck there that it like alternates. It's kind of a nice touch. I'm not saying it's the biggest deal, but I like it. They've got good colors, like a like a regal is the blue and, and bandana is the red. So it's it's some multiple colors. That's the Willie hoodie again. Dratty's been some of our oldest friends supporting the product from the beginning. So uh, go to the B Dratty. Dot com and use the promo code TFE25 for 25% off. I, I want to also just like, just in terms of saying this episode's a miss, I wanted to contextualize like tackling JT and Spieth is in 45 minutes is a near impossible task. Like mm-hmm. that is the, the flip side of this is that this is extremely hard. There, there's stuff that you have to cut in 45 minutes like you you know they they shot a lot but one of the things was like 
I felt like the mo the majority of the insight into these guys came from external people. Mm-hmm. Like whether it was Mike Thomas or Sean Foley's quote, like, you know, that's where I got the majority of my insight into these two guys. Well, like they're two of the most exciting golfers to watch and follow, like the roller coaster that's Spieth and JT, the shot maker, the best shot maker maybe in the game. But then they're like, like for being millionaire athletes, they're probably two of the more relatable, like normal dudes out there. Like, are they like, I don't get much from Jordan Spieth at a commercial shoot. Like I just, it's like a white bread commercial shoot. And like, I think he's an interesting guy. He's he's probably more interesting golfer, right? Like it's hard to tell. It's a cool relationship to spotlight, but you know, I think like compared to Brooks in, in episode two, they're just much, they seem much more normal, right? It's going to be less entertainment factor. If that makes well, sense. Well, hold on. I think one thing that we have not said that needs to be said is that the, the title of the episode is frenemies frenemies. Yeah. And that's not a, a dynamic that I think is authentic to the Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas yeah. relationship. For example, them showing a leaderboard and showing Justin Thomas and then where Jordan Spieth is on the leaderboard. I have never felt when watching a PGA Tour event like, oh, Jordan's got Justin this week or Justin's got Jordan this week. I don't think that's an authentic storyline. I'm sure they're competitive with each other. But to show the leaderboard, I I don't think Jordan Spieth is worried about anything besides finishing first place. And so to make it out like there's this back and forth of who's going to win this week, Justin or Jordan, I don't think that's how golf fans experience the season ever. No, that's a good point. They didn't really like go into either of their like one of the things the voids I felt like and and is that they didn't really go into either of their I think what makes golf and the stars interesting is these are two superstars of the sport who play wildly different styles of the game. And there was not any talk of any of that whatsoever. Like what makes them they're they're friends, but they play completely different styles. Their psyches, like that, that's where I think the miss, the big miss was going back to like the overall thought was like, you know, I for a, for a regular fan, like somebody picking up the sport, I felt like you didn't get anything out of like who these guys are and what they, you know, what they did outside of like what really like Mike Thomas, I thought was the star of the whole show. He was he was awesome. He was really good. Um. Do you want to talk about that? Should we do a little Mike Thomas? I, yeah. As like now, like a dad in youth sports, like I don't want to get, I'm not talking about my personal experience, but like Thomas is most, Mike Thomas is most compelling when he's like this push and pull of being his coach, obviously, and being his dad. And it's like, it is a game. You want him to get enjoyment out of it. And there's moments where they're on the range at medalists. And he's like, I, I fucking hate that. Right. He's just shouting like kind of the air, but also at his dad and the iPad. There's that Saturday at Southern Hills, which I think is some of the best footage as like hardcore golf nuts. Right. We had heard about that range session where uh, Mike Thomas said bones got in his ear. And like, I had to back off. Justin doesn't listen to me. Like at some point, like I'm just his dad and I'm, he thinks I'm being too soft on him and bones, like kind of snapped him into what would become that amazing comeback. So I think there was that cool behind the scenes footage of that frustrating range session Saturday, which is good for me. But Thomas was, I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming from, from this show um, is, is like talking about his own father being really hard on him. And um, I thought that was incredibly moving. He's emotional talking about it and how like he just does not want to do that to Justin. He didn't want to ever feel like it was work. 
And and that fine line between like being his coach and pushing him to be good and also taking any kind of enjoyment and joy out of the game was, is, is has to be a constant struggle. He was really compelling. I thought I loved his quote about the struggle of of a top player where they get frustrated and like getting them to come back to the the to the like you're really good at this like you know they get so in the weeds yeah. and so down like where they think they suck but it's like just trying to recenter them on like you're really good at this you know it's like you know it was it was a it was a fascinating I yeah I thought he was I thought he was great I thought you know as somebody He's always around um, in in tournaments and, and you know, it, it seems like he kind of like has this like little bit of like a Butch Harmon type of uh, persona that he puts on. Um, I this was re- really revealing for me of like I, I'm really fascinated in Mike Thomas as in, in that whole relationship. That was the big thing that I think I gleaned from this more than anything else was that relationship and how interesting it is. One of one of my main notes, and this is especially what you were saying, Brendan, with just Mike Thomas, the dad versus the coach. Like you know, when you're at a youth sports game, like a basketball game, and there's a parent who's screaming at the referees. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's usually n- the kid's usually not very good, right? That's not usually the parent of a superstar. And I think Mike Thomas is a great example of the parent who has it in perspective, can deliver the message in the right way, but understands that screaming at his kid is not what's going to be in the best interest. And I, I thought that was a big takeaway for me is that Mike Thomas kind of has this all in perspective. Yeah. So is there any doubt, like, did you guys, this is larger, like golf analyst question. Is there any doubt like that that's the right arrangement? Should, should Mike Thomas not be his coach and just be his dad? Is there someone that JT should have come in that is harder on him or that it like, is that balance? It seems to be working. I'm not like casting doubt on anything, but, it sounds like that's a struggle at times. And could JT benefit from a different kind of voice? I think, I think what's really helped him is he's always had a veteran caddy too. I think that's the, that's the, one of the smart things that they've done is that having that experienced caddy can kind of act as that balance. Right. Cause, and I think like a lot of guys we'll probably see it later. I don't, I'm not sure if we see it later, but like, um, you know, getting into the entourages of some of these guys like that they have around, like, you know, I think having like a, a consistent uh, core of small core is, you know, that's, I mean, Tiger never had a lot of people. Like if you think of go through down the line of like enduring stars, have any of them really had a lot of people around them? Jumbo Ozaki. No, I don't know. There's no one that, that really jumps to mind. It's not a, it's not a prevalent thing with golf. I, like Bryson obviously would be the example yeah, Bryson, of like yeah, a yeah. ton of guys, but he didn't really sustain. Like, you know, I think like the more people you have around you, the more distracting it almost can be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess the ahead. only, the only part on should it be Mike Thomas or not as, as Justin's coach, I, I think something I've learned more and more is that the, probably the most important thing is being comfortable when you're on the golf course. And as soon as it gets uncomfortable in the car or at home, wherever, then maybe you'd want to, create a little bit of a distance in that. Okay, fine. You're just my dad. Now I'm not your coach. If it's working and Justin's comfortable and Mike's comfortable, like let it fly. Yeah. I don't know that it matters either way. I don't think it matters if it's his mom, his dad, who, who his swing coach is. You just have to be comfortable. Well, while we're on the subject of the father son, there's going to be backlash from the golf diehards about the home videos. Like, Oh my God, I saw 500 city group commercials about from, you know, way to go Jay. But like, 
that's like for the general audience, right? Like when I watched the F1 show, I didn't know Carlos Sainz's dad was a driver and I didn't know how that works and how he came up in the sport of F1 or the sport of motor racing. And so like, that's like to orient the like general watcher who doesn't know anything about Mike Thomas. So I think that was added useful and additive. One last thing on the, um, on the father son relationship that I thought, uh, was really, really like, I, I was kind of shocked by it. I didn't remember this from the PGA, but like usually when somebody wins a major championship, the first person after the caddy is the significant other. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but with JT, the first mm-hmm. person was was dad, then mom, then fiance. And it was yep. just a it was an interesting like it's I've never seen that order. They're all there. And it's it, it almost like de facto. And if you think about like your own life, like if you have something big that happens in your life, like, you know, I call I call my wife like first thing. That's all. that's like my first call. And like my parents are going to be shortly after that. But like, and it was just interesting. It just, I think it shows like that relationship with, with his dad and how, how, you know, just that's, that's the relationship in his life. Well, and last thing before we move on from Mike Thomas, I also think it's interesting how good of friends the Thomases have become with Tiger and knowing what Tiger's relationship with his dad was like. I'm sure Tiger and Mike Thomas see a little bit eye to eye on this and have things in a little bit more of a perspective. You can do the hard nosed approach like Tiger's dad, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Is there anything like crazy or new you learned about Spieth or you thought was insightful or revelatory about the Spieth portion of this? Because we've talked a lot about I think JT and his dad were the main takeaways for us. But what about Spieth? I felt I I just felt like that's where this this if I were to zoom out and say like where did this really fall short for me was the speed thing like I just felt like it didn't really get into anything about most, about speed like it, I just there was no zero depth there. The part that like stuck out to me was when he was caught on camera or like he knows he's on camera saying "fuck you, Justin" during the practice round, and I thought like. I didn't get a lot from that Southern Hills practice round, to be honest with you. Um, I know there was like an opportunity that they're telling a general story about them gambling and being friends. Uh, I don't need to know how they like plot their way around a golf course, but yeah, for speed. And maybe that's just who he is. I, I don't know, but I, I didn't get, I got far less out of it. As I was going to say, I think, I think I kind of, that's who Jordan speed is. And I felt like of the two of them, he yeah. was more like himself on camera than Justin Thomas was. Like, Jordan kind of acts the same no matter what. He's the type of player who's not running his own Twitter account or running his own Instagram account. Somebody else is posting for him. He he has always created a little bit of that distance. So to me in the episode, did I learn more about Jordan? No, but he was exactly who I thought he was. And I think that was an accurate representation to the casual fan, the new golf fan, of what they should accept, expect from Jordan Speed. I think there's something about... Um... Spieth is almost like golf's uh, like teenage movie star because he had such success early on and young. He had this team built out and he didn't do anything that other people did. Like on the like when players are coming up, they don't have the you know, they don't have the need to have a big team around them. Right. If you think about like 
JT has more relate like a great example is JT's relationship with No Laying Up, right? Like they became friends before JT was a superstar, like with Chris Solomon, like, you know, when he was the 50th ranked player in the world, they were friends. And Jordan was never that guy, you know, like Jordan was immediately a superstar in this sport. And I think it does your it makes him more guarded. He has had like that media training that don't let anybody in. Don't be like you know, I don't think we we saw a shred of who Jordan Spieth really is. I You say this is who he is. I don't think that Jordan Spieth has ever given the public a shred of who he is at home. Like, what do you know about Jordan Spieth and like what he likes? I like, you know, like nobody knows anything. And this is where this this episode, I think, falls a lot very short is that we didn't get anything more about Jordan Spieth, which is, you know, kind of the point of the show. Maybe he's just a normal, well-adjusted dude, unlike a child actor. I mean, maybe he really is just completely well-adjusted without a whole lot, you know, to offer at least this past season. I don't know. It's interesting. But yes, we we missed on that. Go ahead. You want to get into ancillary notes? Yeah, let's get hit some notes real quick. Let's do most amusing. Can we do most amusing moment? Did you guys have anything that jumped out to you? I'm going to let me let me lead real quick. What was your big big takeaway, Brendan? Uh, I thought it was more like how they portrayed the, the similar to Andy's JT versus Spieth, like like Spieth seeming like he has it completely together and completely even keel, completely like ah we just didn't make some putts and and you know you just have an off week with the Swain and he's never too high or low and JT appears like this tortured soul. He's like constantly trying to find it and it's really up and down and dramatic and it, that's not how we understand either of them. I think at this point that was my big takeaway. Did you have one you, you didn't really articulate, Joseph? No, that, my main one was that we've moved on from Tiger Woods. Yeah, I like yeah, that. So. I like that. All right, so amusing moment for me. JT, quote, on speed. He's one of my best friends, but I hope I beat him in every single tournament that we play in for the rest of our lives. Ricky, in a way, we're kind of all out there in it together. <laughs> You do not get a sense of you do get a sense of satisfaction when you see a friend succeed and do well. A little different perspectives. Maybe that's why they are where they are. Ricky kind of bums me out. This is more a general note. He's like a narrator. He's yeah. a narrator, at least that's, for the first two that I've seen. That was He's my question. The gaps. Is, no. is Ricky is Ricky just a, a commentator? Is he like a like a journalist in here? Is that what Ricky is? So I thought that was amusing. The two senses of like, I've heard this about JT for years. Like he's pretty, he's like a, he's a killer competitor, psychotic competitor. Even when it's his friends, he wants to destroy Ricky, destroy him. And he says, I want to beat him every single time for the rest of my life against speed. And Ricky's like, in a way we're kind of all out there in it together. Um, Different perspective. I'm sure Ricky also has a competitive side to him. Of course, I'm not distilling it down to that one quote. Did you have anything, Joseph, or a reaction to that? I didn't pick up on it, but it's amusing that you bring that up. And I do think <laughs> it's illustrative of where they are in their careers. Uh, uh, anything else amuse you guys in the episode particularly but, that I, we've not hit on already? Yeah, I got a, a very few Rory quotes in there. But the one, one oh. Rory quote really stuck out to me was he said, it feels like I'm trying to win my first major when he was yeah. talking about how long it's been, you know, the yeah. eight years. And I think that... My God, does that explain the last what we've been going through the last four years of his career and the slow starts? Like 
Jesus, that was like one of the most uh, enlightening quotes yeah. that I've like I I gleaned from this episode was like, and I think that's like one of the cool things about the show is that players, as you just hit on with Ricky, like the the way these guys talk about each other kind of sh- opens the door to what they think. But with Rory, that quote, my God. It's a big one. It was just thrown in there as they were doing like the storytelling of golf and like what majors are versus what non-majors are. And that one just got slipped in there. Whereas like it's been so long, it feels like I'm trying to win my first again. A huge, you know, kind of moment of insight uh, from Rory and admission from Rory. Uh, anything else on amusements? So uh, maybe I'm like just not remembering the PGA Championship as well as I should be, but how bad Justin Thomas's allergies were. I, I do not remember that. And that's a big deal. Not having your energy levels all the way up when you're playing and then to go on to win. I, I was not aware of how much he was battling his body that week. I thought that was insightful. I yeah. sneak. I remember back that week. I kind of like had, I was like wondering if he had COVID because of how he sounded in his press conferences. Cause he sounded awful. Like he, right. he sounded really bad. And it was like, God, is this guy like really sick? But, you know, then it came out that it was the allergies. And uh, it was, uh, I mean, that I I do like, I forgot some about his round. I forgot the bomb he made on 12. Like he made a huge putt there. I think a big miss, like just a, like not a big miss, a small miss. Like they didn't show his shank. They didn't show his like early they round his recovery struggle. shot. They yeah. showed his recovery shot, but didn't have any. Why was he in the trees on the par three? And I get that's a huge thing. They got to decide is like yeah. play by play uh, of these yeah. events versus. Yeah. But it was interesting because yeah, like, I don't think they like got to like the heart of like his struggles that mu- that like they could have shown his struggles with one shot there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Are All you right. suggesting that he might have had COVID and that he went to CVS and blamed allergies as a cover-up and this netflix is part of the cover-up <laughs> operation no no it was just like you know that was something that <laughs> i remember going through my mind early in that week when we were you know we're we're covering the event it was that was something that i thought i like heard him talking i'm like god he doesn't sound good does he have covid you know i had just had covid too so it was kind of like on makes the top of my mind makes you think makes um you think. all right let's, let's <laughs> god, do a couple other like theories Odds and ends notes to kind of close this out. I think we've hit on a lot of them sort of rambling on as we do. Um, my Mine are more general. We've already hit on a few of them. The golf stuff, the setups are boring. It's not, it's cliche city. And this is before they start Harbortown. And I get they kind of got to dramatize things. Before they start Harbortown, before they start PGA, like you have more account, like I'm just trying to find everything in sync. DJ, every facet of your game has to be firing all cylinders. And they kind of, I get that they have to do the definitions of what a birdie is and what a round means, but like the real, like sort of golf setups get a little bit empty. And I know that they've got to do some of it, but when you have only so much time across eight episodes, that, that gets a little empty. In the same vein, it does feel like they haven't explained like to a great degree, like, the difficulty of beating 156 other players compared to in, in comparison to like, you know, the tennis one you're playing one guy, you have to win seven matches against one person, you know, golf. That's the thing that makes golf so unique is that like you can play out of your mind and lose, you know, 
Like yeah. you have to beat all guys over four days. Like it, it's not, it's a little bit different than other sports. And I do feel like they did fall short. Like they had those things in there, but they didn't actually just be like, you know, like tell us about winning a golf tournament. What, what happened? You know, I, I agree with you, Andy. And I think one piece that was missing from a context perspective, they never did anything like, okay, here are the active players right now and how many major championships they have. Like there was nothing for a casual fan to contextualize what it means to win a major championship, except they explained what the Grand Slam is and how many people have won all four majors. Outside of that, I think it was probably pretty hard for a newcomer to understand like, what does the PGA Championship represent? They didn't explain that it changes venues, right? Like they didn't explain a lot about the events. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Uh, other note I had was John Foley. I thought he seems like he'll be good. I don't know. You guys sort of were critical of that one quote where he walked up to the line with Spieth. Uh, he's a guy that's kind of inside the machine, right? He like knows the game. He's obviously on tour. He's in the locker room. And he's got some pop on camera. Obviously, he's a character. It seems like he could be a good voice for this. I think of the voices they have, he's the one that will say things that have some, some, well, A, expertise behind them, but B, yeah. some like original takes, right? Uh, what I actually wasn't critical, have? Brennan. I wasn't critical of his quote. I think he oh. actually said it. Okay. So I, yeah. I will give him yeah. props and I agree with you. I think he'll be good. And the other person I think we, could use more of who does a really good job is Amanda Renner. I think she's doing an excellent job of actually providing some context for, uh, for what people are about to see in a succinct way. I think she's excellent for, for setting up tour life for, for the people who aren't accustomed right. to tour life. Yep. Uh, other notes, odds and ends you guys have anything else that we're not hitting on. I, I didn't get much from the Harbor town. Stop. Yeah. That was more just to like honestly continue the narrative, like speed up JT down, right? It yeah. was really used as a device well, in that. Did you, see, did you see that? Did, how about the quote when they were playing the practice round, where where speed, uh, where uh, they it was clearly like a camera thing. It was like, "How's your season going, Justin?" He's like, "Pretty average." And how's yours, Jordan? And he's like, well, "Pretty just, average until I won." Yeah, you know. But right. it's it's interesting. I think that's like. I think that's kind of where Jordan's head's at like right now is I don't like a win, a, a win. any, win. any win, yeah. win is like a big deal for him. <laughs> uh, I don't have any other huge odds or ends, Brendan. I think the yeah. main thing is we know when the camera's rolling and when it's not. And the scenes that are going to play better are the ones where they feel authentic. Like the retelling of the valet story where Jordan oh, paid to valet Justin's car. Like, yeah. I, I just don't think that translates as well to an engaging Netflix show as, as just moments like JT on the range waiting for Mito to make bogey, and they're showing us that. That was a great one. That's an authentic moment. Like, yep. we, it doesn't, Justin doesn't act differently because the Netflix cameras are there. And I think it's really obvious when he is. That was one of my highlights was like that range session Saturday night. And then the Colt knows like play by play where like, here's what's happening. You're going to be in a playoff. You're not. I thought that was really cool. The stuff we don't get and that the show delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? Any other high level mm-hmm. things? Is there? It's, I mean, this was just great. Access means everything. Presentation is everything. Um, do we want to give like. I don't know. A great. Was it a good episode? Was it a bad episode? Where did you guys net out on it? I think just the presentation for me made it 
sort of a, a, a positive on it's on the positive side for me. It's just something different. And it, by its different and uniqueness, it worked enough for me. Having seen the second episode, I, you know, I just, I, I give this a C. Okay. All right. Great. I'd probably give this like a C or a C minus, but okay. it still made me excited for the rest yes. of the series. So, yep. uh, I don't think the frenemy storyline worked, which like kind of undermines the whole episode. Sure. So I'll, I'll give it a C somewhere between a C and a C minus. Okay. I'll, I'll go pass for pass fail. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, wow. He's just, you know, he's so. afraid. He's afraid to, <laughs> to put it out there. I had heard this one was terrible. I honestly, but I, my, I, it's fine. Maybe my, I was expecting worse. I, okay. Uh, everyone's no Sean Foley. He doesn't, he doesn't say it how it is. <laughs> we'll be back to recap episode two. We're at different points in watching this show. Joseph and I, I think are just one, two Andy jumped ahead, but we want to, I'm watching it. Everything twice. It'll add some value to kind of what we think about the, the holistic show versus the specific episode. Um, we'll be back episode two on Brooksy and Scotty and some explosive, uh, insight into Brooks's mindset. Uh, that's next. Thank you.